Hey everyone, welcome back to the Orangutan Academy. It is summer, one of my most favorite times of year. I love being outside. I love the sunflowers that are growing, the wildflowers, all the green just everywhere. Uh, ripe tomatoes, fresh out of the garden. It's awesome. We have been camping a lot. The kids aren't in school currently. We took pretty much the entire month of June off. They are engaged in some different summer camps and different library activities during the week. They have a summer camp coming up at the end of July that's called Animal Adventures. I'm very excited for them. They're very excited. So we've been just doing a bunch of different things, but camping has definitely been on the agenda. We've been going places left and right and just really enjoying that family time and soaking it up. It's really fun for me to be able to be out of the teaching environment and just present with my kids and doing nothing but unstructured play. I had listened to this incredible podcast made by Caroline Leaf where she spoke about how important it is for unstructural play to be such an integral part in your child's learning. They create neural pathways that help literally develop their brain to critically think and problem solve. And I was like, oh my gosh, good. Okay, I'm doing a lot of the things she's saying. And our kids have been super creative and super inspired just by random origins. And so I wanna do this podcast for you. It is titled Origins of Inspiration. So this podcast I listened to this morning, it was incredibly powerful for me to listen to how important basically recess is and how a lot of our um, schools have either completely eliminated or reduced the number of hours that a child is allowed to play outside during a school day. And just from what I've witnessed just in this last semester where I very first started homeschooling our children, I am very quickly realizing that learning doesn't have to take place within four walls, eight hours a day or more. They absolutely need that time outside and they need that time in the dirt. They need that time to look up at the sky and to just get inspired to build and create and find tools and create forts. According to Caroline Leaf, who is a clinical neuroscientist who has been studying the mind and the brain for many years now, she's proving through her work and through her data how important this play really is for our children. So today we are talking about the origin of inspiration and what this means. So basically everybody has a moment within their life where that something intrigues them, something gets them excited, something makes them want to go a little bit deeper into it, unpack it more, like get to know it, sit with it, be with it, be present. And uh, for every person that's different and that's what makes us all unique. It takes all kinds of kinds to make this world go round. And I'm witnessing these moments happen within my children and I'm loving it. It's very, very fun. It's very heartwarming. Um, and it's also inspiring me to do better things, do great things, do artistic things. So um, an example of this, uh, I would say an origin of inspiration is whenever the girls started getting a little bit older, my husband and, and me, we made a rule that we would try a new recipe every week. Uh, didn't matter what's going on, we're always going to try to integrate a recipe we've never tried once a week just to introduce different vegetables, uh, different cooking styles, whatever the case is. We were looking for an extracurricular activity for our girls and what we ended up finding was cooking classes. 
And so we started signing the twins up for cooking classes where they mostly would make like baked goods. It wasn't anything super crazy. I mean, they were three and four years old at the time and they would bring this home like what they had learned and they would constantly be in the kitchen with us. Like they always want their hands in it to this day. They want their hands in it. Like they are inspired. Like they want to help make the pancakes. They want to crack the egg. They want to pour the flour and does it make a mess? Absolutely. Am I always patient with them? No, I'm not always that parent. Like I do not always prevail. I make so many mistakes and I get caught up in the hustle and bustle of I just work 10 hours. I'm tired. I want to go to bed. But when I catch myself, which I try very hard to do, just as rewarding for me as it is for them to really get them involved in the kitchen. I mean, they're sitting literally on the island with a spatula in their hand. I'm like, no, don't lick it. Whatever it is that, that we're cooking, it doesn't matter. They are present and they are inspired. And so this kind of dives into pretend play where I've noticed them pretending to own a restaurant and they serve each other out of their little clubhouse window and they pretend to make all different kinds of things. Uh, would you like lobster and mango? Who doesn't want lobster and mango? They would take grass and dirt and flower petals and weeds and rocks and they'd mix it up into a big batch and call it whatever it is. You know, it's gumbo today. You just never know and you witness them pretending to play restaurant, pretending to play house, pretending to play whatever their minds have conjured up because of the origin of inspiration. I think all parents can agree, whether it be on the TV, whether it be coming out of your mouth, whether it be coming out of your friend's mouths, or behavior that's exuded by family members or people that are around you, neighbors, um, animals even. I can't tell you how many times I come home and one twin's got another twin pretending to be their pet puppy. They play these games all the time because they're constantly learning and taking in different components from their environment and creating their own solutions. There was one day where the twins were talking to each other and one of the twins tells the other one, you didn't do that properly. And I was like, properly? We don't use that word. And then there was another day where they told me, mom, you're being cheeky. And I was like, cheeky? And come to find out, they love watching Bluey. They've been watching Bluey this morning. And so, of course, they're picking up on the terminology and they're using cheeky and properly that's used on this show that was made out of Australia because they're constantly absorbing information. We want our girls to feel inspired. We want them to be inspired by other people that are good influences. And for those that are not good influences, we're not trying to eliminate them out of their life. We're trying to create the critical thinking beings that they are to recognize that, you know, I don't really identify with this behavior or this concept and reject things that don't really fit within their moral integrity and then accept those things that do. And I think as the girls get older, we're going to be shocked and surprised at what they decide to reject and what they decide to accept. And ultimately it's their decision and we're just here to guide them and to give them the best examples as long as they're safe and healthy. We want them to be able to tap into those origins that have touched their lives, that are now inspiration and creativity that's gonna make the difference for the better whether it be for their life or the people around them. And we're gonna continue to give them that opportunity to just do unstructured play a lot of hours out of the day. I think that that's a huge necessity to create these building blocks to be able to make these later big decisions. 
All they have to do is play right now, be given the tools to play, whether that be Tupperware and spoons and a big old box of mulch. Like, we never know what they're gonna find. And you know, I'm guilty of being frustrated because they just pulled out every single pipe cleaner onto the kitchen floor along with all my googly eyes. I do get frustrated, but I try very, very hard to correct that line of thinking because there is time to clean those messes up. In fact, I am learning to engage them in that cleanup process or make a game out of the cleanup process or make it competitive rather than just feeling like it's all on me and they've created this mess against me because that's not what is happening. They are just being creative and they're playing and they're learning and developing all of the skills that we want for them. We recently took a trip to Bogachita State Park. We've been camping a lot, decided that this would be a fun camping trip. We were invited by a couple of really great friends and their families. Uh, booked the trip. We went out there and Bogachita State Park has an awesome river that you can tube down. My mom came with us on the camping trip. And the day of tubing, which was a Saturday, we packed up our stuff that morning. My mom kept the kids back at the campsite and me and my husband and our friend and our friend's family, uh, we all went down to the river to go tubing for the day. While we were tubing on the river, we would make frequent stops on the rocky beaches that were along the shore. So there was this one particular stop that we made. I don't know if I've mentioned this in the past, but my husband has recently gotten into uh, rock tumbling and rock collecting and at first I just thought it was a cuckoo crazy idea I was like what is he doing I mean rocks are cool but like he's really getting into it and so for Christmas me and the twins ended up buying him a rock tumbler to polish these rocks so we're at the Bogachetta and I look over and of course my husband is looking at rocks picking up rocks putting rocks in his pocket putting rocks in his inner tube I'm like you're gonna sink to the bottom we're never gonna make it out but something else incredible that I noticed was the draw it brought other people. I think at first everybody was thinking that he was a, a cuckoo-cachoo and looking at these rocks, but then all of a sudden other people, including myself, started participating in this rock search. So I thought this would be a great opportunity to have my very first interview. So I have my husband here, Robin, and we're gonna interview him and talk to him about his rock collecting. So Robin, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us how you got into rock collecting? Uh, hey guys, yeah, this is um, this is Robin, Hannah's husband, and um, you know my dad got a tumbler, and he started tumbling rocks. And well, his his background story was uh, that he's he's missing a lung, so he had cancer. He's missing a lung. He's cancer free. He's I think it's six seven years now, and he was looking for ways to get out, get out of the house, get exercise. And so him pacing up and down his 150 foot driveway was a good way to get exercise and look for rocks and so I encouraged it and he got into tumbling and then it, it, it kind of escalated and I got into tumbling and picking rocks and learning more about rocks so so that's how it started that's how it started you would call the origin of your rock collecting mm -hmm. by the remission of your father yeah yeah for sure it's really cool so what does it mean to collect rocks like how do you decide what rocks you choose, which ones you don't? Well, see, that's the beauty of it is that it's it's all, you know, it's all uh, preference based. So, if you like a rock, you know, you can you can pick it up. But either way, it's fun and it's free. It's you know, it's relatively cheap to buy a, a tumbler and to get into it, and then you you start learning about different rocks. So, what they're made of, the hardness scale of them, uh, what rocks you can actually put together 
during the tumble process. So, so it's uh, it's uh, something we kind of do and keep them interested. And you learn about you learn about what we look really look for is um, what they call a Lake Michigan agate. These agates are formed in Lake Superior, and so they travel all the way from Lake Superior down to the swamps of Louisiana, and then they end up on the banks of the creeks and rivers that we have. Which is where we were. Yeah, where we were it was Boca Chitta is, uh, comes off the Mississippi. What about the geology portion? Like what's further expanded your excitement and creativity with rocks from a geological perspective? So there's like basically three types of rocks and they're formed differently. So how rocks are formed is, you know, is pretty cool. And I'm not a, like a geologist. I can't explain in great detail how rocks are actually formed through pressure and heat and you know whenever you you get into it and it's a it's a very carefree hobby right so it's a uh, there's no no shame no humiliation in it there's nothing to be there's, there's no nothing glorious about it it's just pure enjoyment and so you meet other people that are like-minded would you go so far as to say this hobby of yours it brings together like-minded people but would you also say it brings together not like-minded people Oh, for sure. It's such a strange thing to say, hey, do you want to see the rock I have in my pocket? So, uh, you know, I, I started bringing them to work, you know, because it's, it's, you know, old folklore. It's a good luck charm to have a, a Lake Michigan agate in your pocket, polished or not. So dad taught me that one. And so I started doing it and I was really proud of a rock and I showed a buddy at work and he was like, man, that's cool. Well, how'd you get it so shiny? You found it like that? And I says, well, no, it... It's about a month process of grinding and polishing and, and washing and you gotta be really selective about cracks and imperfections so, to make a flawless rock. But anyway, he, he started getting everybody else over and he was like, man, look at this rock, you know? And it's just such a, a silly thing, right? It's just like a, hey, look at this shiny rock. <laughs> you hear other people's stories. It, it's a- uh, Well, then you catch them looking for them in the parking lot. Yeah, that's kinda, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's contagious. It's definitely it's contagious. contagious. I think two people at work has gotten tumblers. Oh my. And, uh, yeah, and I get brought a rock about once a week. You know, listening to you, it kind of makes it seem like inspiration is very much like a tree. So we're talking about the origins of inspiration, which obviously the origins of inspiration from person to person are going to differ. For you, it begins with your dad's remission from cancer. Um, and it leads to a conversation at work, then creates thus another origin for that person. Yeah. to then search and look for and create and become inspired and to further inspire other people. So you have all these branches coming off of one original origin of inspiration being yours. Yeah. What really gets me is, you know, people take this home. Mm -hmm. You know, I see these guys at work for, you know, 10, 12 hours a day, four days, five days a week. But when they come, when they come back on a Tuesday or they come back on a Monday from a long weekend, it was like, man, I thought about you this weekend because I went on someone, you know, I went to someone's house and they had a gravel driveway and everybody was over there socializing. I was in the driveway looking for rocks. And this is a, <laughs> you know, a 50 something, 60 something year old established, say machinist millwright doing this. So yeah. it's just, I can see how impactful it is. Yeah. It's almost know? feeding, feeding into the inner child within you but or it, within the people that you inspire and they then it, inspire their own children. But it brings them out of them too. I can see, I can yeah. see like a light in people's eyes. Yeah. You know? Like mm -hmm. that childlike inspiration that makes you want to go big and do things all wonderful just for the sole purpose of self-fulfillment. That is contagious. And, um, friends from work, from what I understand, have their children finding rocks for you to polish. <laughs> for sure. I mean, at least once a week I get a rock. So this whole podcast 
really ties back into the Orangutan Academy and what we're doing here and how we're trying to just be the best parents and teachers and role models in the best ways we know how and admitting our failures. I guess my last question for you is do you remember a time when you witnessed a new origin of inspiration in one of your children that has branched from your inspiration with rocks? They pay more attention to the ground, you know. <laughs> so, like, whenever we go anywhere, so, for instance, we went to um, a local state park. We went to a beach there. One of the girls kept bringing me little bitty pieces of beach glass that she had found. I would be looking for rocks, and she would be looking for little bitty pieces of beach glass. I could just tell that they're both more tuned in to the ground, which is, which is kind of good, you know. Got to stay grounded. <laughs> We all have to stay grounded. It's very true. Mm -hmm. And also to the hippie and me, you know, anytime you bring it back to the ground or Mother Earth, like I'm all about it. So yeah. she may be finding glass, she may be finding trash, who knows? Doesn't matter. Um, that's what we're doing here. So Robin, I want to thank you so much for coming on here and allowing me to interview you and to talk about the origins of inspiration, what it means to you, how it affects your children and how it affects everyone who's in your circle. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Um... Yeah, it's, it's an honor, right? You're kind of famous in our little bubble here. It's a pleasure and an honor to be your very first guest. <laughs> um, I'm going to go back to cutting grass. See you guys later. Stop it. So this was a really great and fun podcast. I did my first interview and it was a lot of fun and I look forward to interviewing other people that are within my circle and maybe one day and people that aren't within my circle just to kind of get a little bit different of a perspective, a different outlook because it really does take a village and it also takes people that are not like-minded to complete the Tetris puzzle in your head of how do I raise my children with diversity in their line of thinking. Here at the Orangutan Academy, we're just gonna keep trying to further inspire our kids, inspire our kids with ideas that are not our own, with people from all different backgrounds, with experiences that are, for one, affordable, and two, totally doable. The origin of inspiration leads everybody to their biggest and greatest ideas. And it's self-fulfilling. It's self-fulfilling and it's joyful. And where there's joy, there's laughter. And where there's laughter, there's all things honest and laced with integrity. And it's where you wanna build from. It's where you wanna grow from. So everybody, thank you so much for listening to this episode on the Orangutan Academy titled Origins of Inspiration. Go get inspired.